Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 for your questions, comments, or concerns. And Mr. Kelly, before you get out of here, yes. I, I know you're very intelligent, so I'm <laughs> curious in many ways, besides gardening, Yes, but uh, I keep seeing this word vetted. Vetted. Yes. What is vetted? Like there was something about some jurors needed needed to be vetted. Yeah, they, they need to have their background looked into a little bit, checked out, make sure that they're okay. Now, with the jury, it's not so much they don't like do you like background checks on them a whole lot. They just need to ask them questions to make sure that they haven't made a decision on the case that they're hearing. Well, where did this word come from out of nowhere? Uh, well, it, it became a big part of the, uh, the campaign for president when oh. President Trump was saying how immigrants... And they need to be vetted. We need to have extreme vetting. And that's where that kind of, I guess, it became popular again. See, I'm mainstream. So, I'm so old. I always think vetting, you have to have a vet do a checkup or something. Like a veterinarian? Uh, yes. Hmm. And that didn't make sense to no, me. No, that doesn't make sense. That's why no. I guess I'm into gardening and not yeah. into animals. Yeah, I think that's probably a good thing, too. Yes, very yeah. much so. Well, yeah. thank you for your intelligence. I appreciate sure. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks, and enough of that crazy stuff. And I'll be giving the Good Gardening Trial shortly. And uh, you can call, as I said before, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, concerns, or comments. And thanks for having me on your show. And give that call, and we can talk about plant selection, caring for the ups and downs and all arounds related to annuals, related to bulbs, related to edibles, ground covers, your house plants, new house plants that you might be purchasing, what you need to do with them, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your trees, your shrubs, and your water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. And Samantha will be answering the phone. She'll ask you what your name is and where you're calling from. And Greg's in here producing as well. So, in other words, this show is a very difficult thing. And it was proven by me asking what vetting means. Because, I mean, these poor guys are here and they have to listen to all this crazy stuff by me. But anyway... During the week, I do something I call a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation at your home. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone numbers listed where you can contact me. I'll come to your home and we'll share 40 plus years of experience and uh, we can talk about whatever it happens to be that's going on in your yard. Have a list and everything else and we'll go from there. As I said before, during the first hour, I'm going to be going out to uh, Huntley Woods, and that's going to be my first uh, walk and talk after the show. And then the second one's going to be back into the city. Now, a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The tip of the trial today goes out to the St. Louis Water Garden Society. They're having their 18th annual pond tour 
The Water Garden Society holds this, you know, they call it Pond-O-Rama. And it's going to be in June, June 23rd and 24th, between 9 and 5 each day. There's 33 different, you know, beautiful water features in individual homes. So it's not like you're going to nurseries or anything else. These are people that take care of the stuff themselves. There's going to be everything from waterfalls to plant material to water lilies to everything else. And this is really kind of a cool thing. So what you need to do is if you're interested in doing Pondorama, now you don't have to go to all 33 of them. Some of them are in Illinois, some are in Missouri. So if you choose to just do the Illinois ones, you choose choose to do the Missouri ones, that's really up to you. But you get a brochure listing all of them. And what you, how you can find out more information, you can go to www.slwgs.org. That means St. Louis Water Garden Society. And they have a number, a phone number, too, that you can call, 314-995-2988 for ticket information. So, again, the tickets, you know, both sides of the river. So you can choose. If you want to go on both sides, it's strictly up to you. So the St. Louis Water Garden Society 18th annual pond o rama So, guess what? Let's. Why don't we take a couple phone calls? Let's go to Carolyn, and Carolyn lives in Troy, Illinois. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, we had a um, sparks. Uh, at least we were told it's probably a sparks pygmy pygmy Japanese maple. Right. And it was about 12 years old, and it died over the winter. It was a little distressed last year, but we tried to work on it, but it didn't come back. So I had called you in during the week, and you called my husband back, but he didn't get what you suggested about because these are really hard to find. We right. wanted another Very. one. And so you suggested something that might be good for that spot, kind of part sun, part shade. Well, the situation is because of the size that you need, I don't know, you know, the normal Japanese maples, the dissectum varieties, are the ones that, you know, the height is set when you get it. And Mm -hmm. so consequently, they just get broader and broader and broader. But I think what I told him is to look at a shrub called abelia, A-B-E-L-I-A. doesn't look like a Japanese maple or anything else. It is broadleaf evergreen. It produces white flowers in the summertime and virtually all summer long, and they're fragrant. So I said abelia, and then the variety was Edward Goucher. Okay. Are they hard to find? No, no, they're pretty much readily available, but they're going to stay relatively small. Now, they're not going to stay, you know, super small, but they're going to stay small and they're going to give you some aesthetic value. That's not to say something like a globe arborvitae, which is just green year round, that's fine. But this is going to make it a little bit, and they're animated, you know, and they kind of have a, a roundish, let's say, snow cone type shape as far as round on the, you know, the, the ice part of the snow cone. Okay, well, you just said that most Japanese maples are are just going to get wider. Really? I didn't know that. You yeah. mean they're not going to get much taller? Just- no, it all depends on the variety. But if you get the Acer palmatum dissectum, that's the one with the very ferny, airy leaves, not uh-huh. the big, you know, like ever, you know, blood good or ever red. They pretty much, the height that you buy them at, they stay at that height. But I've oh, been to okay. houses, you know, where they've been like almost 10 to 12 to 14 feet wide. Now, oh, those huh. are very old and mature shrubs or trees, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, but they, you know, they continue to go out and out and out, but don't get any more height to them. Oh, okay. Okay. I hadn't been told that. Okay. Thank you. And I have one more question. Sure. We have two crepe myrtles. One is about four years old, and the other one is just about a year old, but they haven't started coming out yet. Isn't it time? 
No, it's a little premature. So oh, don't it? you know? Don't worry. I mean, I've seen some out. I've seen some that haven't. You know, when I've taken my walk and talks in people's yards. So it just depends upon exposure, soil temperatures, and everything else. Oh, okay. So okay, don't get into good. a panic. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and I'm assuming you probably looked online for this special variety, this you know, super dwarf Japanese yes. maple, and you can't find it there. And I also suggested maybe trying the Missouri Botanical Garden to see if they had one in the Japanese garden area, and just consequently that way maybe you could contact them and see where they had gotten theirs. But that's a variety that I'm not familiar with, the one that you have had. Oh, it has such a beautiful leaf. Right. It's it's not the lacy kind. It's a regular, but it's a small. Right. It's, you know, okay. Well, thank you for your time. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're going to go to the phones. We're going to go out to Defiance, and that's where Paul lives. Paul, how are you today? Hello, Paul. No. Hello, Paul. Are you there? Jeff, are you talking to me? Oh, yep. Sorry. Looks like Paul, give us a call back. Let's go to Jeff and Florison. Hi, Jeff. Hi. I have two quick questions for you. One is, you were uh, just talking about Japanese maples. I have a uh, uh, house I bought two years ago in Florissant, and the maple tree was about nine feet tall. Mm -hmm. And now it's, like, grown three or four feet each year. It's now over the top of the house. Uh, Is that a a true Japanese maple, or is it just a regular maple with kind of a reddish color? Is there anything that I need to know about that? A Japanese maple is not going to grow that fast. They're generally a slower-growing type tree. That's not to say, but in one or two years, if you had three to four feet growth, that's not a Japanese maple. So this is a different type of maple than the Japanese maple. Okay, so it's just a red-color maple, but not a true Japanese. Right. So, I mean, there are red, you know, there's red maples which have green leaves, but also there's a variety of maple that does have a reddish cast of leaf. I would just... You know, t- cut a small branch off, take it to your favorite garden center, and have them take a look at it. Well, I mean, it's a gorgeous tree. Right. I mean, people would kill for this tree. Yeah. And, and, I mean, a... it's fire engine. In the fall, it turns into a fire engine. Right. It's just beautiful. But I, I thought it was a Japanese, but I guess it truly isn't. No, it isn't. Okay. And, you know, I forget exactly what variety it is because it's not really, you know, sold all that much because it's somewhat marginally hardy. As far as when we get our, you know, screwy weather going back and forth. But there is one specific variety of maple which will have a reddish tint to it. I wish I could think of what it is, but I can't think. It's not coming to my mind. Probably if I don't think about it, I will remember it. But anyway, that will then turn even a brighter red in the fall. Okay. Second quick question for you. Uh, I bought four uh, certified, beautiful, gorgeous blueberry plants uh, from a well-known nursery supply company. And uh, they're supposed to be staged uh, early, mid-summer, uh, late summer, fall, uh, blueberries, you know, for a fairly long period of time. One of those blueberries called the Blue Jay variety right. has yet to emerge. Is that unusual or is this a sick plant? 
might be a sick plant because Blue Jay and Blue Way are two of the best varieties of blueberries to grow in this region. Also, you know that I'm assuming they gave you full instructions and everything else about how acidic the soil has to be, you know, the watering factor and everything else with them in general. Are these all clustered together? Uh, well, I, I took them out of the one-gallon pots and put them into two-gallon pots. I'm very carefully watering them and monitoring the, the acid, uh, acid soil okay. every other day or two. And uh, all four of them have been treated the same. They're on... Uh, my porch steps, and uh, all four of them have been treated the same, but that one is yet to emerge. So yeah. I was, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't dump it yet, but it doesn't sound good. Okay, well, thank you for your help. Certainly, yeah. I mean, the acidity is very, very important, and if your, you know, if your porch steps are concrete, of which I don't know if they are, but if they are, that might be a little bit too hot, even for any of them, though they've already emerged as far as foliage goes and everything else to be able to withstand the summer heat. So I would be very cautious on leave, really leave, leaving any of them, whether it's co- concrete steps or wood steps, doesn't really matter, sitting on the steps like that because air circulation and everything else, I'd get them off the, you know, off the porch steps, into, you know, at least bury half the pot in a hole in the, you know, in a garden space. And they do want to have full sun. So thanks, Jeff. Now let's go to Rick in Illinois. Hi, Rick. Hello. Hey, I've got a question about a uh, uh, pussy willow tree. I have a a pair of them. One was uh, given to my uh, former mother-in-law as a uh, parting gift from a hospital when she was sick, and it was just a limb. We put it in water and growed roots and put it in that's been uh, close to 20 years ago. This is a very hardy tree, 25 to 30 feet tall, beautiful tree. Mm Okay. Okay. I've I've cloned another limb off of that tree a few years later and put it in, okay? Now, it's about 20 feet tall. It's probably 15, 15 years old. Now, the first tree, beautiful. No problems whatsoever. second tree is last midsummer, all of a sudden, there's some dead limbs on the bottom. I mean, on one side of the tree, and, on the, and I mean, they're dead. They're gone. They're brown. They're history. Now, the rest of the tree is just fine and uh, this year now that it's coming on on the very uh the very base of the tree all the way up for you know half the tree there are little limbs coming out one two inches that look unbelievable i've never seen this before this many limbs and i'm just wondering if you have an idea of what could have caused these limbs to just go well all trees have dead wood that's why people have tree services come out and everything else. So a pussy willow is the same type thing. Why, you know, some trees have more dead wood than the other. In other words, dead branches. Anything that's dead, just go ahead and cut it off. And the reemergence at, you know, of these buds, of this new foliage, of these new twigs, that sometimes can happen as a result of that. Sometimes it doesn't happen depending upon the type of tree. But I would say they sound fine. So just get, you know, cut the dead wood off. And just kind of be glad that you're seeing some new growth emerge. Excellent. Hey, uh, one more question, then I'll get off. Um, what is uh, the best way that you know my my daughter wants to get a limb off of one of these trees? Uh, what is the best process that you have to get that limb uh, off the tree? And how big of a limb around in circumference would you think would be uh, sufficient, or the biggest you could get to 
transplant. Yeah, you probably don't want to. You're not worried about the diameter of the actual branch. You're worried about the length. I'd cut maybe six or eight, about 12 to 15 inch long ends of branches. I would, you know, make the cut at a 45 degree angle. I'd get some rooting hormone if you wanted to. The rooting hormone, you would dip the ends of the branches right after you cut and then put the, you know, the cutted branches into a potting mix for starting plants. So that's very specific. Plenty of people will now call in and say, well, I've rooted pussy willows in water. I've done this. I've done that. But I'm saying this is, you know, if you were a professional nursery, that's how you would do it. You would make the cutting 12 to 15 inch long twigs, dip them into rooting hormone. Right after that, then you put them into a potting mix in a pot for starting plant material. Okay, great. All right. Sounds like uh, that I'm not as bad off as I thought I was. No, you're not bad off at all. Thank you. Certainly. And now let's go to back to Florissant, only this time we're going into Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, I was looking for a perennial plant that I could plant to keep mosquitoes away around the patio, and I was considering that lavender uh, plant. Is that Does that work for keeping, like, mosquitoes away? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I guess the citronella then? Yeah. I mean, citronella candles will. But, I mean, any kind of plant, like, I mean, they have these scented leaf geraniums. They, I mean, they used to say this is how you keep cats away. This is how you keep mosquitoes yeah. away. This, you know, all that stuff is, you know, I want to tell you. From my perspective, I've never really seen any of it really work all that effectively. It's just hype. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, concerns, we still have about uh, 20 minutes or 25 minutes or, I don't know, several minutes. Let's put it that way. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Freeburg, Illinois, and see what's going on in Frank's yard. Hi, Frank. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. I have an apple tree that's probably 10 years old, and it's situated between two other apple trees that flower. This one will not flower, and it hasn't flowered since I bought it. I was reading somewhere where you can take a knife and score around the trunk to kind of induce flowering. Have you ever heard of anything like that? I would say if you cut all the way around the trunk of the tree, you're cutting the vascular system, and so then the veins you know, have been severed, and so, consequently, the roots that are uptaking nutrients and moisture sends it up to the leaves, and then the leaves use that, you know, basically to produce food, chlorophyll. So I don't see cutting around the trunk of the tree is going to do anything, except maybe cause some major damage. That's what I always thought, but I read something about the University of Wisconsin, and that was one of their recommendations. If everything else was the same, like the sunlight, the planting, you know, all the exposure to fertilization, they mentioned that this had to be done within, like, from full bloom to, like, three weeks after full bloom. So I never heard anything like this before. That's why I wanted to call you. Yeah, that sounds totally screwy to me. But are these, how close are these, uh, you know, if this is in between two trees, is this tree in full sun? It is. Okay, and so it's there's in... about 30 feet between the trees. Yeah, so that's plenty of space. To me, it says this variety, whatever it was when you got it, is not a good variety. Okay. So that's when, you know, but you could go ahead and score all the way around it and see what happens. Then you can call back and say, see, University of Wisconsin knows more than you do. Ha <laughs> ha. No, but. I wonder, 
if when I planted it, I actually planted it a little bit too deep. You could have, you know, but it's not, if the foliage is coming out and everything else, you know, to me, it just sounds like a variety that doesn't do well as far as in this region. If okay. it's if it's foliage looks good, but it's just not flowering, then something's messed up, you know, related to the hybrid that this is. All right. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Kirkwood. Barbara lives in Kirkwood. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mark. I have a question about a dwarf crepe myrtle. Um, I've had had three of them. Um, sometimes they bloom. Sometimes they don't. I don't know if I should be doing something. Do I how do I prune them? Anything, hence you can, or is there any variety that blooms better than others? Uh, basically, the ones that are, you know that are at the local garden center should be fine, especially when you're buying it if they're in flower, so you can see that they flower. My thinking is maybe when you dig the hole that you're, it's being planted in or whoever plants it, you need a really wider hole, three times the diameter of the root ball, but you want the crown above the surrounding ground, so you want to plant it so... That's where the stems are coming up out of the away from the root system is a you know is twenty percent higher. So my thinking is maybe something is happening with it where they're settling and maybe some extra moisture is settling around it, or it's not getting you know the right exposure because they want to have full sun. But you know other than that, that's about if everything looks healthy, you know be, you know for that's about all I can think of. Okay, so, and also then with, if there are a bunch of dead branches on it, do I just prune those as a normal pruning? Yeah, I mean, you basically, depending upon the weather and things like that, sometimes this branches coming up out of the ground, they can leaf out the following year if it, this winter wasn't severe. But sometimes they can be killed all the way to the ground. So, in other words, the new growth, the flowering growth and everything else is going to have to emerge from below the ground. So there's extreme, you know, just according to temperatures during the wintertime, that's what kind of restricts crepe myrtles as far as what's going to produce new foliage slash flowers. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. But you, is there one variety that flowers more than another? No, not really. I mean, okay. variety-wise, I don't even know the you know specific varieties of crepe myrtle. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Certainly. And now let's go to... Coulterville, and that's where Chris lives. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mike. I planted a dogwood tree last spring. Um, it did well. I watered it whenever it sort of get dry, and it's looking good this spring. It has a, a major branch shooting off the bottom. I want to trim it off, but I don't want to stress the tree too much. Should I do it this year or wait a year before I trim it off? So the branches that you're talking about, is it producing foliage? Yes, it is. I would say leave it alone at least for one or two more years because, again, that's, you know, uptaking nutrients and moisture from the root system, sends it up to the leaves. The leaves make food, and then it sends it back down to the root system, helps the root system get established. So I would, you know, as long as you can tolerate it, I would leave it alone. Then you can always, you know, cut it off later on. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Good luck. Thank you. Certainly. And now let's go to where should we go? Why not Troy, Missouri? We've been there already today, maybe once or twice, but Bill, how are you today? I'm great, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I've got a, a couple of uh, river birch trees that are planted in some real bad soil, clay soil. They're about 30 feet tall, and this year the tops of them are dead. About I want to say about 15 feet at the top, there's, there, there are no leaves. There's leaves all over the bottom portion of the trees. Both trees are the same. There's like halfway up, all of a sudden, everything's dead. 
probably over to me it sounds like something related to the winter temperatures. It just killed the okay. top branches. So should I cut those off? Yeah, any kind of dead wood definitely cut. If it if they haven't leafed out by now, I would go ahead. I mean, thirty feet high is kind of high up there. So I yeah, don't want well, you. That, well, the trees are thirty feet tall, and about half of about half of it is dead. Yeah, it's got a ton of leaves on the bottom half, but the top half, both trees are identical. Yeah, They're about thirty feet apart. So. I would say it's it had to be weather related, you know. And they would say, "Well, my neighbor across the street, or even you know, their river birch are not being impacted, but these in this location, you know, they were f- for some reason impacted more so than maybe other river birch even in the neighborhood. But any kind of dead wood, I would go ahead. You could leave it if you want to, up you know, for another couple of weeks to see if they're going to leaf out. But my guess is they're not. So I would just any dead wood, I would get out of there." Because it becomes okay. a more of an attractant to potential problems from related to insects, related to you know, viruses or bacteria or things along that line. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. And now let's come from Troy down to Baldwin and into Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very good. Hey, I, I got a question. So I went and got in the offense this year. Uh, for the last few years... Um, it was me versus squirrels in my tomato plants, and I bought some great tomato plants, and I had a couple of years just awesome. In the last two years, these little varmints are getting in there, and I've tried everything. I've put the hawk as a predator. I've put screen over the plants. I've put tinfoil in there, um, and somebody told me that you could take human hair and put it around there, and that would deter the squirrels. Is that true? Uh, I've heard of that, but I don't know if it's going to work. Have you tried repellents? I have. Okay. And they're just, they're vicious. They get in, they keep getting in there and stealing my great tomatoes. Well, you know why they're going after your tomatoes, right? Not for flavor, for moisture. So we've had a couple dry summers, so they're really dry. So they say, well, what are we going to do? Let's go over here and go into Jim's yard He's always got some very good tomatoes that have a lot of moisture. Should, should I put a little bowl of water out there for him? <laughs> They're going to walk right past that. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess they bounce right past it. They're not. You yeah. could try that, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you didn't have it for a while. Maybe we can have, we'll have a nice summer where there's plenty of rainfall and things like that. But that's what they're going after. Got it. So I'm just going to have to rough it, huh? Right, exactly. Okay, Mike, thank you so much. Have a good day. Certainly, and you do the very same thing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got a few more minutes to go, and, well, we've got more than 10 minutes or so. We're going to 5650, so if you've got any questions, concerns, or comments, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. At 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. And 1 o'clock, the Rick Edelman Show. And then 3 o'clock, the Family Business of Family business with Ryan Recker. So all kinds of other stuff going on besides those few things. And guess what? You know, I said, if I don't try to think about this maple, remember a call you know, probably early in the hour, the gentleman asked, he's got a, a maple tree. He thought it was a Japanese maple, but I said, no, it's not a Japanese maple. Guess what? 
I finally, by not thinking about it, I remember what kind, what variety it actually is. And actually, there's a house right up around the corner from me that has this same variety of Japanese maple. The leaves are, you know, during the summertime have a, you know, reddish tone to them and springtime and everything else. But in the fall, they get a much redder color. It is called Crimson King Maple. So Crimson King Maple is the one that you can buy and it will have a reddish leaf. It's much bigger than the Japanese maple. It is somewhat, you know, it can have some damage due to our weather. But Crimson King Maple, so shows you how my brain works. If I don't think about something, it comes to me. Anyway, let's go to Ron, and Ron lives in Webster Groves. Hi, Ron. Hi. Uh, just thought I'd let you know that my elephant ears are up, coming through the ground. Yeah, great. I never, I leave them outside all year round. They set about 40 feet off the back of the house, so they're not getting heat from the house. And I've had them out there for years, and they're coming up again. Perfect. So that shows you Webster Groves is elephant ear capital of the world, at least of the St. Louis metro area. Well, they get pretty big by the time the end of summer gets here. You aren't kidding. So, you know, the Canas have been doing that for a long time, but the, you're the first person that's called in to said the elephant ears have been coming back. So you put mulch on them or anything? Uh, I cover them with uh, leaf clippings and that in the in the winter time. Okay, and that's it. Perfect. Uh, I do the same thing with my banana tree out front. As I just cut the leaves off and we drop them down over the thing and give them enough warmth there that they get through. Well, Webster Girls rules. That's all I can say. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> just thought I'd let you know. Well, thank you. Yeah, I used to have a home in Webster Groves on Yateman. So anyway, let's go to Crystal City, and that's where Philip lives. Hi, Philip. Yeah, I used to have a home in Webster Groves on Yateman. So anyway, Philip, Yoo-hoo. That's where Philip lives. Hi, Philip. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Mike, Turn your radio Mike down. Miller. Turn your radio down. All right, Mike, thank you. I know it's up high, but I had to follow you. Turn your radio down. Sorry, Philip, we can't understand you. So, anyway, Lisa, Lisa lives in Florissant. Hi, Lisa. Hey, hi, how are you doing? Good. I just, um, I have a couple questions. I have a country home in Calhoun County, and I have about a um, three or four by four flower, flower bed. I'm looking for something that is pretty much drought proof and deer proof, just some flowers, um, maybe the most 10 to 12 inches high. I had something in the very beginning here, about four or five years ago, and I can't remember what it was, and I can't find something else that'll grow there. Is it sun or shade? Complete sun. Complete sun. I would probably look at a variety of sunflower called Coreopsis, C-O-R-E-O-P-S-I-S, and then get the variety, and uh, probably moonbeam. Okay. So, uh, you know, they're really fine-textured leaves. And consequently, the fine texture leaves the deer generally don't eat or get the black-eyed Susan because their leaves are not fine texture. Their leaves are big, but they're hairy, and generally deer do not like to eat hairy things as far as leaves go. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yep. And now you do the very same thing. Now let's go to Scott, and he lives in South City. Hi, Scott. Hey, Mike. Thank you very much. I'm calling last fall rubs. Destroyed my rear yard, relatively small city lot, and I'm seeing a lot of holes this spring already. 
and I'm 75 percent just dirt now back there, trying to figure out how what the restoration process should look like here for me. Now, what's what what got destroyed? The rear yard, my lawn, uh, by the grubs. Now, did did you have a bluegrass lawn? It was probably a mix of <laughs> patches of uh, soya and uh, probably some uh, just shade-type grass. We don't get a lot of sun back there uh, that we, you know, just have been there for some almost 30 years. Right. So uh, there could be an age factor, but the grubs, you know, bluegrass is only impacted by one type of grub, even though we have five different ones here. So my guess it may be just... Age, you know, general care and everything else of your lawn more so than the fact that you that's a, it's a grub circumstance. So well, I would I got probably a bunch of holes. What are, what are all these holes? I mean, the holes could be. Small. It depends upon what size the holes are. So it could be just squirrels digging around. Not necessarily. They're not going to dig. You know, deep. And you know, I you know, they may be causing the problem, but I don't think it's a grub circumstance. To be honest with you. You could certainly put a grub X down and see if that's going to make a difference for the future. But I would have a lawn service come out and take a look. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I know it's, you know, it's, you know, a lot of lawn services will come out, you know, for free, like Lawn Doctor or there's other ones as well. So just give them a call and see if you can get them to come out and take a look. Teresa lives. Oh. I'm sorry. Even we picked up a bunch of fat white ones. At the end of the season last year, right? Uh, that's that, you know that's, that's fine, but normal. Okay. Yeah, I mean grubs are going to be there. There's no getting around it. It's just if okay. you don't have a bluegrass lawn, there's not going to be damage to your lawn. It's you know it's chinch bugs, it's age, it's other factors as well. Teresa in Illinois, how are you? Hi, fine. My question is about uh, growing bell peppers. Um, I used to be able to grow them so successfully they I they would uh, produce all summer long. But the past couple years, whenever I put out my bedding plants, um, they look good for a week or two, and then they just kind of start withering and dying. Uh, can you help me out here? Uh, probably soil improvement, but also it may be variety wise. So it may be the one that you're actually planting. So. I would do a little bit of research on which variety that's wherever you're getting them, what variety that actually is. Because maybe historically you were planting a different one. Also, you're fertilizing. You've improved the soil and everything else over the years because, I mean, garden soil can be depleted of, you know, let's say the nutrients. So consequently, what did great a few years ago is not going to do quite as well, even if it's the same variety, because the soil hasn't been replenished. Okay, is there any particular uh, nutrients that I need to make sure I add for that particular spot in the garden? You know, I mean, just you want to get a fertilizer. Once you get them in the ground, let them stay for a week or so before you put any fertilizer on it. But it's like tomatoes. They're in the same family as tomatoes. Lots of moisture, lots of feeding. Once a month, I'd probably even just use uh, tomato food with them. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help. Sure. And now let's go to, uh, what is that, Eileen? Eileen in Manchester. Hi, Eileen. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a quick question. I have petunias growing in flower pots on the front porch, and every day either a squirrel or chipmunk, I'm not sure which, is trying to dig them up. What can I do to keep them out? <laughs> well, you could use that bonide repels all because probably that's what it is. And, you know, it's, a, you know, it's an animal that's doing it. It's not like they want the petunias. They basically just they're digging there because it's easy to dig. So that's what they're doing. So they're just causing you problems from that standpoint. Okay, so just mix it 
it into the dirt and it'll keep them away. Yeah, there's granular forms, there's liquid forms, so either one. So just bonide, you know, repels all. Okay, great. Thank you for your help. Yep. And Allison, I'm sorry we're not going to get a chance to get you in today. So, but I think I'll be back next week unless they go, <laughs> you Gordon Hotline, round up. So anyway, folks, have a great day. Enjoy the warmth and everything else. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I might see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.